Good, Good morning, morning campers. campers. Today's activities include uh, over the top Italian accents. <laughs> Lunch today will be the best carpaccio you've ever had. And to end the night, we will be all going to jail. We're all going to jail. I'm sorry. <laughs> this this can't continue. We've done terrible things. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Ice the House of Gucci. Is the House of Gucci. Arrivederci, uh, Sara. Ciao, bello. Oh. Uh, I'm your camp counselor, Sam, pro bodybuilder in training and current drag queen. I'm camp counselor, Sarah, father, son, house of Gucci, and we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. Oh my goodness. Um, what a hey, treat. Everyone, what a treat ev every single person out there who, uh, when this movie came out, went, oh, this is garbage. This is stupid. You know, everybody's overacting and, and the accents are silly and all this is. Meh, 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 meh. Go eat a duck. Like a whole life. Breaking duck. news Ridley Scott directs good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fuck are you on about House of Gucci? House of Gucci was a lot of fun. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, we'll get into it as we go, but Lady Gaga should have been nominated for Best Actress for this. She was very, very good. She's giving me share the whole way through. Yes, 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 yes. And this isn't just because we're two queers and we recognize queer energy and we love a queen. <laughs> we love a queen. But genuinely, that that woman can pull out tears. And make it look good. And she can pull out yeah. rage and make it look good. Um, so I I had seen, I, th I think I talked about this last episode. I had seen the trailer for House of Gucci, which if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's the one cut to Blondie's Heart of Glass. And it's seriously one of my favorite trailers I've ever seen. Uh, and it looked incredible. And then um, one particular performance was left out of the trailer. You don't see a lot of him. <laughs> And for some reason, when the movie came out, it was all people could talk about. Who was it, Sarah? Who? As God is my witness, I never thought I would praise Jared Leto, let alone on this show. Okay, so I'm 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 not going to be a, a Leto apologist because God knows he's probably got enough of them in his cult. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think Jared Leto works best. When he is a supporting player. Mm -hmm. I.e. he's not allowed to get away with le his leading man shit. Yes. I think when he is second fiddle, third fiddle. Yeah, maybe not even in the fiddle section. Nowhere near the strings. But he's still part <laughs> of the band. I think he delivers performances that really do help to elevate films. Right? Like when you, s mm -hmm. when you see him in... Um, God... I'm trying to remember movies he's been in and my, my, my mind's going blank because all it's saying is Requiem for a Dream because even there, he's not the lead of Requiem for a Dream. He is one of <laughs> the leads of Requiem for a Dream, right? Yeah, the, the pain of it all is that Jared Leto is not a bad actor when in fact he is trying to be a bad actor with all of his might. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just... 
I swear, any day now, something horrible is going to come out from him beyond the cult stuff that nobody seems to be just batting an eye at. But um, in this movie, you know what? Makes sense. I love it. I'm I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's doing his thing because you need a character like Paolo. (laughs) Somebody Uh, even more ridiculous that you can point at and say, that guy's a fucking clown. So we're going to get into this, but famously, the performances in this movie are, let's say, imbalanced. There, There's Jared Leto over there going, Papa, and falling to his knees and his wig cap, his bald cap falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Jeremy Irons, who is like, hello, my character today is that I will have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Jeremy Irons with a different accent than you're used to. Barely. Barely. Oh, we'll get into the accents here. Here too. Um, and so everybody was like, this movie is ridiculous. They didn't know what they were making. Everybody is acting in a completely different style. It feels so completely unmatched. And this is the same year that The Last Duel came out. Which just made it like a double hit of Ridley Scott movies that seem to have interesting performances, but don't seem fun to watch. Well, I'm now, here to say this was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get a chance, look up some Ben Affleck clips from um, The Last Duel, because he's very much doing one of the big performances from this. It just happens to be in a very heavy uh, movie. So yeah, I think this movie was damned by that, that it seemed very obvious that they didn't know what movie they were trying to make the claim is that they did this intentionally by trying to do a commedia dell'arte style where you have the big big characters and they're making fun of the rich people that's that's sort of the thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's why i never saw this movie originally how about you were you ever interested in this movie I think I was interested in it, but I don't think I ever ended up seeing it. What this was when when was this? When did this come out? Twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think the the problem there was just like it was so you know, post the first wave of the pandemic and mm-hmm. I was very I was being very picky and choosy about what I was going to theaters to see. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I'm only going to go to theaters to see the big stuff, the stuff that I know I'm going to enjoy myself seeing, as mm-hmm. opposed to taking the gamble on things that look interesting. But, you know, I may come out the other end going like, well, that was two and a half hours of my time gone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and I mean, even like, I, I'm just coming more into that as I'm an adult now. That's yeah. just like, you know what? I'm. I'm going to go to the theaters to just see things that I'm genuinely going to enjoy. I I, I know, but uh, every once in a while you take a gamble, but uh, you know what? I think I would have really enjoyed seeing this in the big, uh, big screen. I think this definitely would have benefited from it because it's such a gorgeous movie. Oh my God. Is it ever gorgeous? Yeah, it's funny when we talk about like movies of the year 2000 or something like that, and we're like, I saw that in theater, I saw that in theater, I saw that in theater. Back in the days when we would like go to theaters once a week because we had nothing else to spend our money on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, now we've got so much to spend my, our money on. And I mean, in the last few years, I've also cut back on going to the movies just because <laughs> I need that money for other things. Yeah. But um, yeah, this was this was a delight. Uh, now, for the background of this movie, I could have done something interesting and crazy and done like the history of saddlery or whatever. But I wanted to find out more about the actual Gucci family. So you want Hell to learn something yeah. about the Gucci's? Yes, I yeah. do. Hell yeah. Okay. That's that's what I was hoping for. I was like, okay, Sarah's either going to do like Commedia dell'arte or the Gucci family. Yes. Um, so they're completely right in both the representation of what the family legacy is and how it actually started in this movie. Gucci o Gucci, his real name, uh, went from northern Italy to work as a bellhop in London hotels. And there he saw many beautiful pieces of luggage and things like that. And after World War I, he came home to begin working on his own leather goods. He bought his own shop in 1921 where he sold imported luggage. And then he gradually started making um, his own stuff and kept expanding and expanding. They do use this beautiful um, leather it's called, excuse my Italian here, Quio Grasso, which is basically um, a very, very soft tanned veal leather, which they never tell you in the movie. They just show full grown cows. Yeah, yeah. Here's our full ass grown cows. Don't worry. It's definitely them that's dying. Now, a fun thing about being in Italy in the 1930s. Oh, what happened in Italy in the 1930s, Sarah? Was it a prosperous oh. time? Did happy things happen? Everyone lived in harmony with nature and each other? It's really funny because you know the scene in this movie where um, uh, Mauricio introduces Patrizia to his father, Rodolfo, and she sees the beautiful Klimt in their house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know anything about that Klimt painting? Well, one thing I do know about Klimt paintings and you know, uh, various art from around that time is when the Nazis took over Germany, boy howdy, did they just, you know, up and seize a lot of artworks and generally, uh, I, I will I will say misplaced is a nice way of putting it, a lot of those artworks to you got it in one powerful now, the funny people thing is, <laughs> i have seen a whole movie about this uh piece of art oh really yeah there is a movie from i think 2015 or 2017 called the woman in gold uh starring helen mirren and ryan reynolds about this movie oh uh, it yeah is about this painting sorry uh it is based on a true story the woman in the painting is uh adela blockbauer it was commissioned by her husband, Ferdinand Blockbauer. And um, he was accused of tax evasion. They were Jewish. He was accused of tax evasion by the Germans. And he fled. And they had... They uh, reclaimed everything that he owned to pay back his tax debt. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the 90s... Adela Blockbauer's net niece, sorry, niece, um, successfully sued to get the painting back because, as you said, it had been basically Holocaust 
uh, what's the word I want to look like? It, it, it had been looted. It had been looted. Yeah, it had been looted. Yeah. Uh, sued to get it back and successfully got it back. Uh, she then sold it that year for something like $130 million or something like that. Oh, good. Yeah. So the funny thing is about seeing this painting in the movie is I immediately go, wait a minute. I know that painting wasn't in <laughs> private hands in the late seventies, early eighties, and certainly not in Northern Italy. And Ridley Scott did that on purpose <laughs> because to return to our frame story, Italy, 1930s, um, because of Italy's work, in, work invasion of Ethiopia, in 1935, the League of Nations uh, censured Italy and imposed a trade embargo, leading to leather becoming scarce. So they started to move to other things which are now sort of seen as their trademark goods. So, for example, the bag that the housemaid wears or housemaid owns in the New York scenes. Yep. It has a very signature curved bamboo handle. Now this was invented in Italy in the 1930s by uh, Guccio Gucci because um, we now think of that as like a very standard purse handle, right? Yeah. You don't even think about it. No. Um, but they invented it because there was a leather shortage. So they're like, we have to use as many different materials as we can. Uh, now, I actually have this bag open on the Gucci website right now. It's called oh, the Bamboo 1947. For a half second, I thought you were going to say, I actually have this oh, bag God. open in front of me. And I was like, <laughs> Sarah, my God, what? <laughs> Burying the lead. Now, let me tell you this right now. You cannot buy this on the website. No. <laughs> it says here, quote, the signature handbag is exclusively available via client advisors, capital C, capital A, client advisors, yep. or in selected stores. Like, they will not take your money for this. You have to prove it. Well, I mean, it's the whole point of the exclusivity that is Gucci, right? How much do you think this bag the the same one I have it in the exact same color that the housemaid has it. About how much do you think that costs in Canadian dollars? Fifteen thousand. Uh no, it's actually one of their least expensive bags. It is six thousand and ninety five dollars. Oh, still way outside my price range, which is nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, that is a car. Yeah, that is a car. Not a great car, but a car. They also created things like this is when they move into um, canvas and they get like the interlocking G logo that you see. Lady Gaga wears a suit with that motif a couple times. Mm -hmm. That's when they started moving into like canvas, wicker, raffia, stuff like that. Um, as they say in the movie, all of this stuff about them being saddle makers to royalty, completely made up. It's just um, marketing. Great. It's it works, right? Mm -hmm. Guccio actually had five children, all of whom worked in the business, instead of just the two, Aldo and Rodolfo, who we see in the movie. Um, and they were all as involved in it as Aldo and Rodolfo were. Same thing, there were a lot more um, cousins in real life. In the movie, they just cut it down to Aldo and Maurizio. Yeah, yeah, I mean... 
you know, confusing enough as the, the, the plot sometimes is, I can't imagine throwing in, you know, 17 other characters. Oh yeah. There's multiple Patrizias in the family too. It, it just gets way too complicated. Yeah. Um, but Aldo really was involved in pushing his father to open new stores. Like their second store opened in Rome in 1938. Again, not a great time. Mm. Uh, and guess what they did in World War Two? Oh, um, did did they help send money to the Allies to fight against the fascism? No, they. Didn't. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> they made boots for Italian infantry. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> Which uh, the fact that you hear Hugo Boss's name come up every single time and not Gucci is uh, good marketing, Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> Hugo Boss does not have the same PR machine that Gucci has. Yeah, Hugo Boss and IBM both need to get on that, uh, along with Bayer. Uh, if I had a nickel for every company that was secretly started by fascism. Yeah. Oh, Fanta, apparently, too. Oh, yeah, because they couldn't get Coke. Yeah, and apparently a lot of... <laughs> I think Nazis actually just loved this orange drink. It was 1940. Having like orange pop probably blew the head of the, the top of their heads off. <laughs> They're like, what? Holy shit. What is this mess? Now, after the war, they uh, started to launch internationally. And their first global tagline was actually a piece of dialogue in this movie. Quality is remembered long after price is forgotten, which is such a bitchy thing to say. I like, you probably it. can't afford us, but you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to take the hit now, but you know what? In a few years, you want to remember the price tag because you've got a Gucci bag. Now, post-war, Italy also gets this sort of blossoming. This is La Dolce Vita. This is um, Italian new wave cinema and things like that. Uh, think Roman holiday. So it's very like chic and fashionable to have Italian things, right? And Gucci is part of this boom. Uh, they start expanding more and more. They open stores in New York, obviously, uh, on Rodeo Drive. Grace Kelly wears their clothes, things like that. Now we come up to basically the timeline of the movie. So this movie basically shuffles things forward to make Patrizio... Patrizia and Maurizio's wedding, I'm sorry, marriage, shorter. In reality, they met about seven years before they actually did in the movie. Um, they had two kids, basically like the cousins and the various Gucci children. All of this has been stripped down to make the movie shorter and easier. Yeah, yeah, you know, artistic license, unfortunately. But it happens in pretty much any... Uh, you know, adaptation of true events. Yes. Um, there is nothing in this that, as far as I know, was completely made up. The Gucci family was not involved with this movie and was not happy with this movie. Huh, surprise, 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 surprise. Yeah. Considering it, it shows most of them as pretty much fuck-ups and idiots. Yeah, fuck-ups, idiots, and backstabbing ghouls. Now, Patrizia Reggiani Gucci does say that she approves of the casting of Lady Gaga and that Lady Gaga looks like her. Um, it's a big compliment. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I would absolutely be like, 
you know, oh, somebody got cast as me in the film and they look incredible and they're one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, yeah, I'll live with this. I'm, I'm pretty sure I can be fine. Um, the events at the end of the movie where basically Maurizio is taken out of the company, Tom Ford and Domenico Desolais are installed as the new heads, didn't really happen like that. Basically, Tom Ford wasn't brought in until um, Maurizio had already been kicked out of the company. So Tom Ford left saying like, oh yeah, he saw the movie and he said, uh, it basically gave me a panic attack. <laughs> it brought me back to those bad old days. Oh no. Um, and also like, guys, I wasn't, I wasn't with the Bahraini guys trying to carve up the company. I was, I was hired after Maurizio left. Artistic licensing. Can't it do? <laughs> uh, now in the beginning of this movie, the Lady Gaga has, um, a voiceover talking about how great Gucci is and how one day... If you're very lucky, you might be able to go into a shop and buy the second least expensive thing. Sam, I have the Gucci website open in front of me. We are going to have you guess the second least expensive thing that I can find on this website. Now, I'm going to say right now, uh, the least expensive item on the Gucci website, I am not going to count. There are several items here that I am not going to count because I don't think they're really Gucci. Oh, they're like, they're like mugs or knickknacks and shit. Close. Um, <laughs> I'm just being absurdly picky here. Um, the All Gucci cosmetics are the uh, name being licensed out. Gucci doesn't actually make them. Fair. Not made of cow. Yeah. Because otherwise, um, all the cheapest stuff would be like cosmetics and perfume they the cheapest item is uh, a bottle of nail polish for 42 dollars so i am going to skip past all the cosmetics and we're going to choose the second least expensive item after that now can you give me the least expensive item and i will guess what the second least is in both price and what it is Excellent, excellent choice, my good man. I am going to send you this link so that you can see it as well, because who boy is this ridiculous. Sam, can you describe this item? This is a hexagonal book? Uh, sticky notes. Oh, a hexagonal sticky notes with web and horse bit. Yeah, the horse bit is that little um, piece of, of tack on the green and red label on the front because they were saddle re they were saddle makers to nobility. So that's why they have the horse bit everywhere. Mm, yeah. makes perfect sense. And okay. So this thing while gorgeous is $265 for post. That's for sticky notes, <laughs> for post-its, for post-its, for post-it. I could buy 265 things of post-its for that price. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could be swimming in post-its if I wanted to for the same price. So that is the cheapest item on their site. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I deduct from that, I'm going to guess that the next cheapest item would be a pen. Close. You actually get something that I would consider pretty Gucci. It is a uh, silk neck bow, a.k.a. like a silk scarf. But what if you cut it up and made it into 10 of those? 
Oh, so it's like an ascot. Yeah, it's like an ascot. It's $295 Canadian. It's, I gotta say, I don't think it's very nice looking. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's nice. Like, but in that, like... It looks Gucci. It also makes you look like a flight attendant. Yes, it's got big flight attendant vibes. Um, I will not be spending $295 on this item. Thank you. Are you sure? Because now this you can buy online, you filthy plebe. Uh, yeah, for $295, I can buy most of a kit of GH instead, so. What is GH? Growth hormone. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, and then one last thing. So we close with the, um, with Gucci being bought out by this big luxury brand conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who currently owns Gucci? This one I do know. <laughs> Which yes! is the wildest <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> because, okay, okay. I messaged Sarah last night because I got 40 minutes into the movie and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And I said to her, you will not believe the cameo. Well, yeah, it's a very bit player, but still basically a cameo that shows up in this movie at the 40 minute mark. I mean, we're going to talk about this anyway, but it's Selma fucking Hayek (laughs) where I'm just like, what? (laughs) What are you doing here, Selma Hayek? Um, Turns out in real life, Selma Hayek is married to the man who owns the company that owns Gucci. Yes. So by the transitive property. (laughs) By the transitive property. Selma Hayek owns Gucci, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using camp math. (laughs) It's like girl math. Yeah, it's like girl math, which is related to girl dinner. (laughs) But that's the story of Gucci. I'll probably point out a few more things that are a little um, uh, incorrect as we go through the plot of the movie. Yeah. but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it is kind of a shame that like pretty much all big luxury brands nowadays, it's just owned by one massive conglomerate and doesn't have its own weird palos behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, isn't that kind of just true of everything? The, the Shinehard yeah. wig company owning pretty much most <laughs> of what we take in. I did read a Vogue article about the history of different um, Gucci bags and how they've been like revived and reinvented throughout the years. And I didn't use any of that uh, here, but it was pretty cool. As somebody who doesn't know anything about like fancy designer bags, it was really interesting to see, like like anything, it's really interesting to see somebody uh, who really knows what they're talking about describe all these different variations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fashion's cool. Like when you, when you find the right kind of thing in fashion to get like, Oh, I love these details. Then all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. Fuck. Yeah. So shall we dive into this film then? Yes. Uh, one last thing. Yes. Uh, uh, I will say the ugliest thing I found on the Gucci website was, uh, they have fans like handheld fans and, uh, their absolute ugliest one was a Daisy duck collaboration. It looks like a Gucci pattern, and then it has Daisy Duck on it. It's fucking hideous. Why? Why? Uh, because it's part of their Disney collab. Ah, uh, yeah, Disney will collab with anyone. Disney, the town bicycle of media conglomerates. 
So we begin with a voiceover from Lady Gaga, or Lady Gaga, as some might know her, uh, as we watch Adam Driver finish up at a cafe. And basically, she's talking about the Gucci brand itself without mentioning its name. And we watch him finish up, hop on his bicycle, ride around, and go up some stairs, only for someone to say, uh, Signor Gucci. And then we cut. Milan. 1978 inspired by Picture a true story it. a red convertible pulls recklessly into a dusty parking lot and out steps lady gaga and she walks by all kinds of working class men and who are cleaning buses basically right it's a big dusty lot there's a lot of buses and uh turns out she's a secretary at a tiny little office who's good at forging her boss's signature hold on to this It'll be a clue for later. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that night she heads to the disco with a friend and she looks stunning. Okay. I want to say out of the gate, I I started taking notes on what she's wearing, but she changes costume every fucking scene and I do not have the space for it. Just essentially understand most of what she wears through this film is gorgeous. It just is. She's Lady Incredible. Gaga. Incredible. And we're talking fashion. We're talking I will Gucci. S- <laughs> I will say I have some complaints about the tailoring here. I, it doesn't feel like they did great um, hair work for uh, the different ages, considering most of the story takes place like through the, the late 70s, mid 80s, and ends in the mid 90s. Um, but that, that scene in the beginning... In, set in 1995 when Adam Driver is biking to work and uh, I'm like any any man in 1995 looked like he was wearing his dad's suit like they should have put Adam Driver in a suit made for Shaq in this scene ah but that, this is like a nice fitted suit but that was North Americans right he's an Italian yeah but like you've seen Armani from the 90s that stuff's fucking huge yeah but I, I think I think it's it's the legacy of who the character is, right? Mm. Also, I'm pretty sure you could probably find photos of what he was wearing that day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, to be I fair, it's, like it's a very while, important day. So, <laughs> <laughs> while everybody looks great in this, I feel like it doesn't feel super i didn't feel like it was really really tied to the era i you can't give me a still from uh one of these scenes and have me be able to pinpoint it in the fashion trajectory okay i think that a lot of it was like like um movie makeup where they'll like they'll want to make it look of an era but at the same time they still want it to make to look good to modern eyes I think that they they were more concentrated on having a cohesive visual look throughout the whole movie rather than dividing it neatly into eras, which may have been more historically accurate, is what I'm getting at. But may I come back with a slight rebuttal to that? Mm -hmm. Uh, The people that we're talking about in this film are the elite, right? Mm. They're the taste makers. And generally you find that the clothing styles of the elite don't change as rapidly or as dramatically as the clothing styles of the lower classes. 
Mm. Right? Like Where it's like, oh, look at me. I'm the queen. I'm just tromping around in a 40-year-old sweater and gumboots. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she continued to wear, you know, the little handkerchief over her hair all the way up into her death. But we're also just talking, like, men in suits. Like, when you are that obscenely rich it's men in suits all the way down right and the details might change but they are less likely to change because they just become so set in the way of this is how the elite dress it's for the lower classes you know the nouveau riche as well to adopt those fashion trends Right, the the elite, elite, the 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 high ups, the old monies. Even if this family is somewhat newer money, they all they're less blown around by these whims. Except, I mean, obviously, the only one that we do see change is Paolo, but that's because he also falls on hard <laughs> hard times and has to wear that shitty '90s windbreaker. Oh my god, there's a suit that he wears, which is clearly of his own design, and it's like corduroy but i've never seen corduroy with whales an inch thick it's so uniquely <laughs> hideous i was really impressed looking at it yeah you know wh- whether or not this is you know like you said i can absolutely see that the film wants a, a cohesive look and that films will try to somewhat modernize themselves i do think that we are talking about the rich 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 right the the people who are they're making the tastes for other people to consume less so than for themselves to consume yeah the only thing you can really track changing throughout this movie is lady gaga's, gaga's hair. hair lady gaga's hair i, I absolutely noticed that uh, anyway she is at this party she is in a beautiful red dress with elbow length gloves it's just oh oh and uh she goes to the bar and mistakes adam driver for the bartender and uh you know it's a a little bit of a meet cute he flirts he makes her a drink he's like oh i have uh, no idea where the bartender is but uh i can try making you the drink anyway and he introduces himself as maurizio gucci and she is patricia reggiani I apologize if I butcher any names as well. And uh, I love that his little flirt with her is, uh, oh, I thought you were Liz Taylor. (laughs) Oh, you, you sly dog. Also because you're like that, not not to be stereotypical, Sam, Mm -hmm. but like walking up to a woman and saying, oh, I, I thought you were Liz Taylor is kind of a really gay man thing to do. Oh, super, super gay. Come on. But also, this is the late 1970s, and Liz Taylor is still, like, considered one of the great beauties of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, everybody um, knows who Liz I Taylor just... is. <laughs> Nowadays, the gays know who Liz we... Taylor is. We've talked about um, how great this movie looks. Um, Adam Driver, in particular, even given the haircut and glasses, uh, step on me, you rudely large man. He's so tall. He's so tall. <laughs> Lady Gaga's so tiny. So it's so tiny. funny seeing Jeremy Irons try to hug him and reach up to him. <laughs> oh, I can't believe we sat through a whole movie with him and Daniel Radcliffe standing side by side and didn't notice it as much there. Um, But yeah, Adam Driver looks... Incredible! I would say this is probably the best Adam Driver has ever looked. 
throughout this movie. And he's charming. Like, like, yeah, yeah he's... in the start, he's kind of shy and awkward, not mm. sure to talk to this girl. Oh, she's so smitten with him, too. She's just all like, oh. I mean, she's smitten with his name. She blue screens when he says his name is Gucci. Fair. Yeah. But there's still there's still a bit of a thing going on before he even drops the name. Right. She's she's definitely mm-hmm. in the oh, he's he's cute. You know, huh. yeah. The Gucci is just the uh, the gold leaf that suddenly dropped on top of the whole thing. Well, she asks him to dance, and they do, and they dance the night away, getting more intimate until he has to mysteriously leave at midnight. Ooh. Well, the next, well, I I would say the next day. Another day, because this movie generally doesn't show much in terms of timelines. Like, years will go Mm -hmm. by in this movie, and the movie makes no mention of it. It'll just be all of a sudden, like, oh, they have a five-year-old daughter. When she just gave birth in the scene before. Okay, fine. Yeah, there's a part where um, there's two birthday celebrations. And I was like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a week apart or a year apart. Yeah, yeah. Later on, I, I came to the same realization. So another day, she notices him across the street and heads into a bookstore to nonchalantly run into him. You know, being a, oh, 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 you're here. <laughs> yeah, hmm. They flirt, and he admits that he's studying to be a lawyer. And she manages to get him to ask her out. And uh, he's surprised. She says, I'm very busy, but I'll make time for you, Maurizio. Okay, so uh, this would be a great time to talk about their different accents. Okay, let's do it. So we have a scale of accent. Uh, On one end is Mario. Mario? And on the other end of the accent... Mario? Who's Mario? Mario, the plumber. Oh, Mario, 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 and Luigi Mario. Gotcha. So on one end of the scale, we have Mario. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the scale, we have Chris Pratt playing Mario. All right, yeah, uh uh-huh. Jared Leto and Lady Gaga are all the way over on the Mario end. Yep. Uh, we've said it before, but Jeremy Irons and especially Adam Driver are over on the Chris Pratt end. Yep. Everybody else sort of wobbles in between. Danny Houston, I don't think, is doing an accent either. Uh, is, is he? No, I think he is. It's just he doesn't get much to say, period. Yeah. He's basically just scowling a lot. Yeah, he does a lot of scowling. A lot of uh, wearing sunglasses, too. Yeah, Salma Hayek is doing an Italian accent. Is she, or is she just doing her accent? Uh, I think she's doing her, her accent. Yeah. Uh, and an Italian accent on top of it. She brought her own accent from home. I mean, she's done... Yeah, she's she's done an exaggerated Spanish accent before, and it didn't sound like that. Mm. And yeah, according to the filmmakers, this was on purpose. Uh, they did this deliberately. Oh, yeah, Al Pacino's in this movie, too. Yeah, but Al Pacino's Al Pacino. Yeah, he's playing the Al Pacino accent. Yeah. She's, my beautiful niece! Yeah. I'm so horny for your butt! <laughs> I'm sorry. You've... Uh, uh, 
I'm sorry. Hello. Hello, title of the episode. Is it that I'm so horny for your butt? I'm writing it down now. Yep. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Keep going. I can't I can't do better than that. Guys, <laughs> this this literally is a scene. He walks up to her in a Gucci store when she's trying shoes on and all he sees is her ass and he's literally walking towards her, his feet floating off the ground like he sees a pie cooling on a windowsill. <laughs> um yeah, apparently this is on purpose. <laughs> uh, characters will occasionally slip into Italian, like during the wedding scene, the wedding ceremony is performed in Italian. Uh, people will say, I love you in Italian, uh, and then just go back to speaking Italian with uh, speaking English with an Italian accent. It's literally just like sword and sandals. Why do all the Romans sound English? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the um, the translation circuit on the TARDIS keeps on fritzing in and out. Yeah, and Dutch sounds like uh, Scottish. <laughs> the, the <laughs> I find this a very for for what is purporting to be like a very sexy modern movie. Um, this is a very very old fashioned way of doing accents. I think. Once Chernobyl came out, it was generally considered, like, that's the new way to do accents, was just everybody does their own, and you can fucking deal with it. Um, because it does make more sense. I've never seen Chernobyl, but also, I don't want to see Chernobyl. Okay. Thank you. Briefly, are you aware of how they handled accents in Chernobyl? No, no idea. Okay. So, everybody does their own accent. Um, there are Irish actors, Swedish actors, English actors... Uh, including some Ukrainian and Russian actors. And the idea is nobody's putting on a Ukrainian or Russian accent. Everybody speaks in their own native accent. And it works because it just makes you imagine that they're from different regions within Ukraine and the USSR. Oh, so basically show up with whatever you got. You know, mm -hmm. we're not fucking around with this. Yeah. Our flag means death does the same thing, though it's done much more for a comedy like, yeah, some people are Kiwi and some are English and some are American. Just fucking deal with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to have a wide array of accents happening in this film and possibly a wide array of accents coming out of our mouths as we discuss this film. Mamma mia. Ugh. So, yeah, they, they go out on a few dates and it's sweet. All right. Throughout, he's constantly being followed by this sinister man. But later on, you find out, oh, it's his driver, Franco. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day he takes her out to a rowboat on a foggy day where they have a kiss. And and maybe more in the boat. Like, yeah. <laughs> PG this however you want. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Choose your own rating system. Uh, Maurizio then introduces her to his father, Rodolfo, and he grills her over lunch and clearly disapproves. And this Rodolfo is being played by Jeremy Irons. He is lovely, lovely, lovely. We love Jeremy Irons. Just more Jeremy Irons, right? He doesn't chew the scenery in this like uh, Dungeons and Dragons. But then again, he had to chew the scenery in that because boy, howdy, did it needs something happening in it. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Irons is not in this movie very much. He's just sort of just there to add that patina of class, like, this is a Jeremy Irons picture. And I do think it works well to have these great, capital G, great actors, like Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino playing the patriarchs of the Gucci family, because it really does give them this sense of 
it embiggens them. It embiggens them to Lady Gaga's character. I don't think that's a re- real word. It's perfectly cromulent. Yeah. <laughs> so that is until she asks him about his life. And, you know, he kind of warms up to her. He reminisces about it. But, you know, he later talks to Maurizio about Patrizia. And he's like, hey, I had my driver look into you. I'm not, I'm not doing this with accents unless I've got in quotation marks. I had my driver look into her. And uh, you know what? Pretty sure she's just in it for the money, dude. Like, uh, cut this off. Go sow your seed somewhere else. Like, we'll find you a nice girl. Something like that. But not this one. This uh, this uh, scene where they have lunch together, just to go back to it really quickly, yeah. is the first time we see, other than her making Maurizio very, very aware that she's interested in him, it's where we first see Patrizia's real great skill in this movie, which is that she is a people person. She can talk people over. And I do think that this part is both written and acted extremely well. It could have been just like, and here's the cunning woman. Um, but she's not. Yeah, I mean, she's cunning, but, you know, it, it's not over the top. <laughs> now that I've manipulated these two fools into doing my bidding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's not Yzma. She, she is a genuinely rounded character who has her own wants and desires, which is... Maybe she wants to take over all of Gucci. Maybe she wants a better situation for her boyfriend. That that all can be debated. Oh, I mean, it can all just change as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people change. We grow up. We we adapt. We evolve. Well, Maurizio and Rodolfo have a falling out, and Maurizio packs up whatever he can and shows up on Patrizia's doorstep, explaining to her family who he is, why he's there, and even saying, "I I want to marry your daughter." I love her, and uh, I left my family because I love her so much. And she's just, oh my god, yes, I absolutely love this man. Like, he would do all that for me. Mm-hmm. And so he begins work at her family's company, cleaning trucks. Like, he doesn't even get the leg up of, like, let's start you in the office kind of thing. It's, no, let's just get you a job. And he enjoys it. He's, he's with the regular ass guys they're playing football uh out in the parking lot and he's just having a lot of fun including when she calls him into the office for an emergency and that emergency is she's got to get eaten out (laughs) (laughs) what i love about this scene is that it's so thoroughly focused on her pleasure oh you know that's a really good point I, I didn't even consider that at the time. Yeah, we're getting a big-ass movie where we get to see how much she enjoys being eaten out. Not how much he enjoys it. Not how much he loves fucking her. It's all on her face as she is getting absolute delight out of this uh, sneaky, sneaky little meeting. I was half ex- I was half expecting the camera to pan over to show the microphone was still on and her just <laughs> blasting those sounds out to- into the parking lot but no no thankfully they don't. Yeah, this is a really really great role. Um it's the sort of role that I would expect like literally everyone to be fighting for. Um 
because you you don't often see a female character at the at the center of a story like this who has so much cool stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, right. She's not being introduced on the side to his main character, right? Mm-hmm. She's not the conniving woman who suddenly comes out. It's not about his various loves over the years and how he's dealing with this. It's mostly about her. Yeah, she is the most interesting character in this movie. Yeah, it's, again, very well acted. I I absolutely adore. I think this may actually be the first thing I've ever seen Lady Gaga act in. Um, So she's got an Emmy for Horror Story. Um, And you haven't seen Star is Born? No. Star is Born is depressing, I I will tell you that. She's very good at it, but it's very depressing. Not planning to see it. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, um, cut to the wedding. Her side is absolutely ram full of people and his is empty. But she looks stunning in a sort of slutty way, but stunning. (laughs) Every time I see her in like her enormous heels, I'm like, well, for one thing, Lady Gaga is only five foot two. She needs those heels. (laughs) She needs stilts to be in the same scene (laughs) as Adam Driver. (laughs) And uh, and also I'm like, "Eh, it was Italy. Yeah, yeah. I, I just constantly expect, like, oh, it's Hobbit photography. Yeah. <laughs> it's Hobbit photography. Yeah. Uh, Faith by George Michael plays. I love it. I love oh. all the needle drops of this this movie because it oscillates not just between, um, like, here's a hot pop song that you guys will recognize. It's also like, oh, here's a famous Italian song that nobody in North America will recognize watching this film. Lots of opera too, which apparently a bunch of the needle drops are like um, uh, symbolic. If you understand the opera context that they're coming from, yeah, yeah. Like um, we'll 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 talk about uh, Paolo's failed uh, fashion oh. show. So, <laughs> boy. Hmm. Anyway, they are swarmed by photographers as the scene slowly turns to black and white, and then we see Al Pacino looking at the photos in a magazine. Not playing al pacino um he is aldo gucci reprising his role from jack and jill as al pacino as al pacino and introducing al pacino (laughs) he is aldo gucci maurizio's uncle and he meets up with rodolfo to discuss putting gucci in a mall starting in tokyo and rodolfo was very much against it he's like that's not what gucci is it's not a mall shop this is a a store Right. So this is very much literally what Aldo uh, did. He he was the pioneer of getting them into more retail spaces and internationally. Mm, there you go. And so the subject of the wedding comes up. And he asks Rodolfo to reconnect with Maurizio. Also takes the chance to call up Patrizia and invites her and Maurizio to his birthday party. Ooh la la. The party is at a beautiful villa on the water oh my god Ugh. it's it's basically naboo right <laughs> it's, yes yeah. that's exactly it. Or, or i always think of the recovery scene at the end of um casino royale yes that too which is actually in serbia somewhere or something like that but yeah it looks oh incredible. wow that was in serbia hell yeah serbia. yeah a bunch of the stuff that's um that's supposed to be at the Casino Royale is like on the Dalmatian coast. Yeah. Well, uh, Maurizio is forced into a game of what I have been told is, 
a, a form of football they play over there where you are allowed to punch and kick your opponents. Yeah, I th- I thought, wow, they're playing rugby. I, I didn't know Italians no, played no, rugby. No, that is and, not rugby. Uh, it's because they're not. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> it's it's a very ridiculous sort of fight because there's a lot of kind of like slapping happening too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and here's where we are introduced to Jared Leto as Paolo, who is... I. I regret that I enjoyed his performance so much. It I, feels like I'm betraying my ideal. I don't regret it. I like his performance. He's He is a clown. He is basically the comic relief of the film. And again, I just want to say, Jared Leto, best used as a side dish. <laughs> right? That Jared Leto is a garnish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Um, He's a he's a little bit of French fries to go with my hamburger. Mm. The hamburger is Lady Gaga. Yeah, uh, it's very clear that he is uh, not not necessarily the black sheep of the family, the redheaded stepchild of the family. Yeah, uh, all conversations in the Gucci family start with "Listen, I know that Paolo is a fucking moron," <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we can all agree that Paolo's a fucking moron." We all have to begin our sentences talking about Paolo that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's got on... Um, he's just... He's so much less put together than everyone else there. Well, he's fat. It's not even the fat thing. It's... it's He's just... He's missing that refinement that everybody else... Because Al Pacino is fat in this movie, but he's refined. <laughs> yeah, um... Jared Leto as Paolo is, um, he's not fashionable. It's simple as that. He's got like a a bald cap on and this long hair that gets all over the place. It's just, he, he doesn't look good. He doesn't look naturally born to it. Like all of the rest of the Gucci's do. Mm -hmm. So as Maurizio and Patrizia leave, Aldo gives her a wedding ticket, a gift, plane tickets to New York. And he says, you have to come to New York come visit me so patrizia is eating ice cream late at night because she's got cravings for some reason and while flipping through the channels she finds an ad on tv for a psychic played by selma hayek now selma hayek originally had a much much larger role in this movie what um (laughs) oh boy sam I I was holding back something to tell you at this point. Now I'm not sure it's good for your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Selma Hayek had a bunch of scenes cut from this. She basically had her own like Paolo-sized um subplot, including a sex scene with Lady Gaga. What? I was getting yeah. big sapphic vibes, but. You mean to tell me that there was full-on sapphicism? Yes. To quote Lady Gaga, there is a whole side of this film you did not see where Pina and I developed a sexual relationship. God damn it. I'd flip the table that I'm at right now, except my laptop's on it, and I can't afford to replace that right now. Um... (laughs) So to continue, she said, okay, yeah, director's cut, who knows? This is a testament to him as a director because he allowed us to go there. And I remember being on set with Salma and going, so after Maurizio dies, maybe it gets hot. Which is such also like a 
listen, Lady Gaga is a professional. She knows what she's doing. But also she's like, mm, so I'm in this scene with Selma Hayek, right? What if we what if we did a couple little smoochies? If I was in a scene with Selma Hayek, I would also want a couple little smoochies. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited you didn't know that. Oh my god. Like, I, I have gone on record with many people many times and said Selma Hayek probably has some of the greatest boobs in the world. Absolutely. 100% agreement, no matter your sexuality. I think no. uh, we as a people can can agree on this. Those are tremendous. Now, do you know the story behind her boobs? <laughs> There's a story. Behind the boobs behind on VH1. Yeah, yeah. This is our very limited series. Go for it. So apparently when Selma Hayek was a little girl in her village, there was a legend of like a like a wishing well or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but uh, she was, she was not developing as quickly as the other girls around her. And so she she went to that, Uh she went to that wishing well and she wished for an incredible rack and boy, howdy did that wishing well develop. Yeah. Let's find it. Let's make some wishes, guys. Because Selma Hayek found the one wishing well that works. Right? (laughs) Listen, I'm happy for you, Selma Hayek. You've brought joy to so many people's lives. But also, we've cracked it. We know the answer now. We can solve so many of the world's problems. Unless this is just a boob-oriented wishing well. (laughs) Which point... Okay, we can solve some of the world's problems. (laughs) <laughs> it's a very specialized field yeah, yeah but oh my god I can't believe we were robbed robbed for this <laughs> remember what they took from you yeah Okay. well so Patrizia's just called up Pina the psychic and she asks if she will be successful and she, uh, and if she'll get what she wants and Pina's like uh, you gotta you have to be more specific than that like what is it that you want and all like right away before Lady Gaga even says the line I'm just like everything and she says it she says everything hell yes so Patricia surprises Aldo at a Gucci store what and they have a little talk and this is the scene where you said can you repeat the line please uh was it (laughs) i'm opening up the spreadsheet to get the exact quote (laughs) i'm so horny for your butt yes yes he doesn't actually say it but you know the sentiments there uh they agree that maurizio and rodolfo need to reconcile so they conspire to do so for them. Mwahaha. Uh, there's going to be a lot of conspiring going forth in this film. It's, <laughs> it's wild. So they go on a weekend trip to the Gucci leather farm where Aldo celebrates another birthday party with, with the workers. Now, 
again, you, we're not quite sure. Is this a year later? Is this a weekend later? It's it's a weekend later. It is the same birthday because they confirm later in the movie that he's still only 70. Uh, okay. All right. All right. But uh, yeah, basically ha- have a look around. These are the cows that we use. Not the cows that we use. Uh, here are all the people who work here. And oh boy, do I love the stuff that we do here. And the workers seem pretty happy. They, they get a nice afternoon yeah. off to have, you know, cake with the boss. The the cows seem really happy right until they don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't know any better. Uh, so he sits the two down to talk business with them. Maurizio says he's the happiest he's ever been just working at Patrizia's family business. And she pushes him to go back to his family business instead. And there's a there's a neat detail in all of these scenes, which is um, Patrizia is always sitting closer to whichever patriarch it is at the time than Maurizio is. Maurizio's always on the the open end of the table. Yeah, and she's always leaning forward, whereas he's leaning backwards as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great body language cues happening. It's just like, yeah, yeah, Ridley Scott knows what he's fucking doing. <laughs> he made alien <laughs> are you gonna argue against the guy who made alien no you're not i'm gonna argue against the guy who made blade runner which version <laughs> i say make up your mind is he a replicant is he hmm so in order to kind of push him a little bit further she makes an announcement oh no she's pregnant and now we cut to the two of them in New York in an amazing suite, being utterly in love, just, you know, fucking in the bathtub while she's naked and he's fully clothed. And, you know, Annie Lennox's Here Comes the Rain Again plays in the background. Again, this is just like, they both look so incredible throughout all of this. And there's this... Like you say, there's a scene where she hauls him into the bathtub where he's fully dressed. And I'm just like, oh my god! I've Her hair is, gets so close to these candles that is all around it. And it really, it does feel very real. Because I was like, oh, Lady Gaga's a second away from having her hair go up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but as far as we're aware, she still has all of her hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They meet up with Aldo where he hands her unlimited use of Gucci clothing, family discount. And he offers Maurizio the title of Gucci coordinator of world affairs, which he's like, I I have no idea what that means. Well, neither do I. So yeah, (laughs) I've never, Oh boy. The, the, the career is really hitting when you see a guy at, uh, at a dinner with his uncle going, I don't know, I guess I could do something for the company. He's like, we'll make it up for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she... What do you want your job title to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> President of calendars. <laughs> Paolo arrives at the villa to meet with Rudu- Rudolfo, flattering him, going, oh, look at your cheekbones. They could cut diamonds. It's like Jeremy Irons says, I'm Jeremy Irons. I've heard this many times before. Yeah, and Jeremy Irons is also now playing Rodolfo in the beginning of the death stages. Yes, this is Rodolfo as a consumption death mask. Yeah, and this is where Paolo decides to uh, 
I guess in his mind, subtly push his designs. <laughs> in everyone else's mind, it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, you just show up with this? Oh, God. When he lays out his sketches for Jeremy Irons to look at, and Jeremy Irons starts looking at them and making a few comments, and I'm like, oh, my God, blood is in the water, and Aldo doesn't know it. Miranda Priestley would have been kinder to him. <laughs> I love I love Paolo's line here of like oh nobody appreciates my work you know, I showed it to to someone he's blind in one eye and deaf in the other <laughs> so, <Yes>. very silly <laughs> and Rodolfo warns him says have you told anyone else about these designs no 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 one else good keep them a secret because browns and pastels disgusting this is trash don't ever show this to another human being but seriously pastels and browns together no no thank you it's a choice it's a choice he calls the line what was it uh havana libre So Paolo decides to start his own line with blackjacks and hookers. Jack and, and hookers. Yeah, and pissing on Gucci scarves. Mm-hmm. So after the birth of their child, Maurizio receives word that his father is ill. So they visit him, letting him know that they named the baby girl after Maurizio's mother, Alessandra. And basically, Rodolfo says, I'm going to hand over the reins to you. And then he dies. Yeah, that's a wrap on Jeremy Irons, guys. He's out of this movie earlier than I thought. Yeah, we're, we're going to get him in one scene where he's lying in a coffin. And then, uh, yeah, you can go home, bud. Here you go. Yeah, Jeremy Irons said, you're shooting a fashion movie in northern Italy. I don't know if I can find time for that. It sounds like so much heavy lifting. We need you for like three days, Jeremy. Oh, okay. Are you sure I can't stay in Northern Italy the whole time? Uh, if you want to. <laughs> um, I will say, Jeremy Irons, not given much to work with here. Also, I made a joke about consumption, but he is literally coughing into his handkerchief in every scene. <laughs> yes, constantly. And just every scene, he is getting paler and more sunken-eyed. Mm-hmm. Um... This this is part of what I mean when I say this this feels like an old fashioned movie. The stuff with the accents, it doesn't feel like a young filmmaker is making it. Same thing with the coughing into the handkerchief. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Ridley Scott's out of touch. Um, he's still doing incredible work, but it it doesn't feel like a young man's movie. I think I think it's more so like it's entirely possible that the film was designed purposely this way. Mm-hmm. Right, as opposed to like, oh yeah, I've just fallen back into old habits, and old habits being old Hollywood habits. Like this, mm-hmm. it feels more so like, no, I I want to make a movie that's like this. Mm-hmm. So at the reading of the will, it turns out Rodolfo never signed one important document, which would essentially waive the inheritance tax. But because he didn't, they would have to pay fourteen billion lira to inherit anything now i didn't do any math but i can assume anything with a billion in it is a lot of money 
Yeah. The fact that these characters react like it's a lot of money tells us all we need to know. Yeah, yeah. So, Patrizia goes to see Pina, her psychic, Salma Hayek, great tits, who gives her some mystical and some actual guidance. (laughs) Basically being, hey, keep your head on straight. Keep going after things. You will make this work. (laughs) So they move to New York and begin to take over the empire. Years go by, and we know that years go by because all of a sudden they have like a six-year-old daughter running around the house. And Patrizia notices that her housemaid has a new Gucci bag. Or at least it looks like one. Patrizia finds a whole underworld of replica Gucci wares, and she is furious. She takes it to Aldo, (laughs) and she is... yeah also it's crazy like it's new york in the 80s like i don't she's in chinatown and she's like under an underpass and it says gucci 29.99 on a ripped piece of cardboard it's like it's it's canal street yeah she didn't have to go through a secret tunnel to get there it's it's such a weird moment of like really you 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 didn't know this it's not like you mm, it's, yeah it's not like you came from an affluent family yeah <laughs> like pretty sure you've worn the odd knockoff here and there in your life but anyway she is she's furious she takes it to aldo and he's fine with it existing because he says basically like it bolsters the brand like mm-hmm. all that shit it, it gets brand awareness out there yeah like not only does it get brand awareness but it's also to the point where you buy the knockoff stuff it falls apart it doesn't have the quality that we put into our work right so Mm -hmm. it's not really damaging us in any way because they'll constantly want to get our stuff so they don't have to buy the knockoff stuff but she sees it as just damaging to the brand period yeah, mm-hmm. just like, oh, no, no, this is making us look cheap. So anyway, fashion show time. Oh, we love a fashion show moment. Gucci meets a designer who looks down on the Gucci brand as a whole. And this is Maurizio Gucci. And it is, I mean, for, for a split second, I was like, oh, is there a buy vibe going on here? Is yeah. He gonna, is he going to hook up with this? Oh, no, no. He's just going to get shat on by this guy instead. And not in a buy way. Because the guy, it's very much like his first meeting with Lady Gaga, where he says his name is Maurizio Gucci, and she instantly clocks it. This guy recognizes that he's Maurizio Gucci, and then it's like, uh, your style is only for old people. Uh, cool people would never, ever design for Gucci. Yeah, and then he turns his baseball cap backwards and he kick flips a skateboard on his way out, going, <laughs> suck it, Grandpa. <laughs> oh, no, that doesn't happen. But boy, howdy, could it have happened? Anyway. If, if Ridley Scott wasn't a coward, it would have happened. <laughs> Patrizia and Maurizio talk about ousting Aldo and doing something about Paolo so that the brand can move forward. So she meets with Paolo at, to look at his designs and she's all like, Oh yeah, these are great. Paolo just, I, oof, 
I can't wait for us to put this out there. But oh, with Aldo still here, how are we going to deal with him? And Paolo's like, oh, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a secret all about Aldo. And if I let it slip, oh, no, it might ruin him. And be forced to get him out of the company. And then you guys can have me make designs. And then I can be happy. His The, the mock-up that we see of one of his designs. Either it's meant to be very like tent-like. Or it literally wasn't pressed well. Um, which I find, I think... It's open to both interpretations, and I think it's very fun that they just made this what looks like an intentionally poorly made garment for Aldo's line. Yeah. If you don't know it, you don't see it, but it's a nice little detail. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where he says, you know, can I swear you to secrecy on this? And she says, father, son, and house of Gucci. Which was improv. Great, great line. No, no notes. Yeah, this is this is what we're here for. So she agrees to distribute the designs under Gucci, as long as he helps push Aldo out using uh, some secrets, and as long as he's loyal to Maurizio. So well, this line was real. Um, mm-hmm. Aldo really. I'm sorry, not Aldo. Um. Uh, Paolo. God, I'm blanking. Paolo, Paolo really did design it, um, and it was put out under the name Gucci Plus, which is an awful name. Hmm. Looking at you, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, every other Plus that exists. I Disney was using the Plus. This is why I'm going to get really nerdy. Disney was using the Plus language for decades before Disney Plus. It was, oh. um, yeah. So in Disney speak um to plus up something basically means to make it that much better they use a lot in their theme park talks oh so you know um for instance in 82 or 83 fantasyland got completely refurbished um and that's called like a plus up uh a couple times when i've been there recently they were doing things like expanding walkways to make things easier uh, to move when it's crowded. And that's called plussing up, that sort of thing. However, I think Gucci plus sounds like your plus size line. Yeah. Yeah. And when you reach that level of fashion house, Mm -hmm. you you, like as unfortunate as it is, you don't make a plus size line. Or you do, but you don't call it. You don't. Yeah. You don't call it that. Like you'll, you'll, you'll find a, somehow classier way to say it than that yeah you don't head over to the giant plus size (laughs) sign hanging from the rafters of the gucci store yeah there's gap gap kids and gap for fatties next to it that's called old navy and i appreciate their size diversity (laughs) listen i shop at old navy too i have unusual body proportions and by unusual this is this is true um so in the gap family the more expensive you get the more the closer you get to banana republic the smaller the size range gets oh so it's kind all of... their stuff is made the same it's just if you want the nice clothes don't be a fatty really it's our fault honestly you know 
it's uh it's a failing of our moral character and if we only just worked hard enough and pulled up our bootstraps we would also be skinny billionaires yeah it's uh banana republic is just there giving me an incentive because i didn't have one before Mm -hmm. yeah they said look at all that avocado toast you've been buying (laughs) (laughs) um so Maurizio finds out about this whole thing and he's angry at first as he doesn't like pushing his uncle out but you know he, he's he kind of starting to realize what's happening and he's like well if this is the direction we have to move so Maurizio people people said that Adam Driver's performance in this was kind of bland or like it doesn't match to Jared Leto and Lady Gaga's performances um I think that's very obviously done on purpose because a lot of this movie, you are questioning what is going on in Maurizio's head. What does he actually want? Yes. I, and I think, I think it's purposely so because if we had more characters at the level that Lady Gaga and Jared are working at, it would become ridiculous, but. And also like clearly in this telling of the story, Lady Gaga is the instigator behind all of this. Um, but in real life and in the movie, at a certain point, Maurizio kicks her out and continues upward on his own. So he clearly wanted this. This was not him being manipulated into a life that he did not want. No, no, no. It's just uh, he he's a character who doesn't play things on the surface. right? Unlike mm, the yeah. two other big characters who absolutely play things on the surface. Again, the people complaining that these performances belong in different movies, I don't think got the point of why he's so subdued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think Adam Driver's performance is great, actually. Right? Mm-hmm. He he could have been bigger, but it's not, and I think it's pur- it's very purposely done so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Maurizio meets with Paolo, who hands over evidence of fraud on Aldo's part. What? Rich people doing fraud with money? <sighs> Say it ain't so. Sam, I've got another <laughs> bombshell to tell you. Do you know who was the prosecutor in New York courts against uh, Aldo Gucci? Oh, no. You're not going to say Rudy Giuliani, are you? Ding, ding, ding! Got it in one! Fuck me. (laughs) I saw that and I was just like, oh, my heart is heavier for learning this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, well, at least we didn't get James Woods playing him in this, in a scene. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Do you know about the James Wood Rudy Giuliani made-for-TV movie? I know that they are roughly on the wrong side of history, which is the wrong side. It's not just... No, was this post 9-11? Oh, yeah, it was post 9-11. Oof. <laughs> but it was also just like... like James, hey, geography? James Woods, like, really, like, earnestly selling, you know, this man is a fucking hero, and he's very tall. <laughs> it's just like... I, I, I remember seeing clips from it and just being blown away just by how awful this thing looked. Like, J- James Woods in a bald cap. I mean, as we, again, James Woods. But on top of it, just, just look, look up the trailer. Just watch it. T- tell me this doesn't look like an absolute poop. We will never cover it. I'm sure it's camp as fuck, but I don't want to yeah. sit through 
an hour and a half of a made-for-TV movie about a terrible person being played by a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're like, ugh, a Rudy Giuliani movie. Oh, God, it also probably has 9-11 in it. Yeah. Ugh, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I don't want to watch a 9-11 movie. Yeah, yeah, no. I think that's pretty much off the table, too, for any of our choices. Anyway. So, later that night, Paolo calls up Aldo and threatens him with his tax filings. Why, why, why would you, why would you do this? But sure, why not? Okay. And uh, he ignores it and is arrested very, very shortly thereafter. Paolo is so broken up about it, but his life is underway. And so he decides, you know what? I'm free. I'm finally going to do it. Now I can finally make my disgusting, disgusting looking clothing. Well, here we are at another fashion show. Oh, it's Paolo's line of horrible pastels and browns. And uh, guess who shows up at the doors for him? Open the doors! Copyright law! Yeah, it's uh, law and order colon copyright law. <laughs> dun, dun. The most heinous crimes to be committed against fashion. And they come in and they're just like, um, you're saying this is a Gucci event, and uh, we were just told that it's definitely not a Gucci event. We are shutting this whole place down. Now, to add insult to injury on top of these guys running in, rounding everybody up, and shut, shutting the whole thing down, Paolo's wife is providing musical accompaniment to the models as they come down. Sarah, do you know anything about this piece of music? I believe this is um, Aria of the Night. It's something of the night. It's the Queen of the Night's Aria from Daisaba Flaut, which is the magic flute by Mozart. It is considered one of the hardest operatic arias to sing in the world, period, because it hits notes that most people do not have in their range. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason it's so famous it's the reason you hear it all the time because it sounds really impressive it's really impressive right i just listened to an episode of um aria code which is just about operatic arias and they get like actual performers on to talk about the aria itself and the episode that came out this week was about this aria and what this song is is about the queen feeling betrayed and she is angry and she is lashing out those you know high notes trilling back and forth it's it's her getting to a place of she's so upset that she just has no idea what to do other than just like ah ah but you know melodically so right because it's an opera mm-hmm. of course right it's it's emotions to the nth degree and that's exactly what's happening here. She is so upset. She has no idea what to do. Right? Paolo is so upset that he has been betrayed by the Gucci family. He has no idea what to do. It's it's very thematically on point. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Ridley Scott did the research and was just like, oh, oh, damn, that was... Uh, guess that wasn't a great song to sing at that point in time. Sure. So Paolo goes to confront uh, Maurizio and Patrizia about this and they offer him, they're like, Hey, okay. Yeah. We, we get, we get that you're uh, 
you're upset and this whole thing's happening. Oh, oh, real sorry about that, bud. But here's a nice little offer. We'll just buy all your shares in the company. You'll get a lot of money. You'll be able to fight these legal battles. And then, uh, you know, you're just out of our hair. I mean, you're you're out of um, worrying <laughs> about us. Yes, and the company anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said before, what's really interesting about this is up until this point, it's usually Patrizia offering these kind mm-hmm. of solutions to people. But it's Maurizio who presents the offer first. So already the dynamic is starting to shift. Mm-hmm. That's great. So uh, he rejects the whole offer. And soon we find that the financial police in uh, Italy have been called to Maurizio's home. Hmm. I wonder why. The scene where his his butler or whatever helps him get his motorcycle out so he can escape from the police coming in the front door. I, I laughed out loud. I found genuinely very funny that suddenly it turned into boop, 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 through the house. Yeah, and and for a split second, I'm like, why why are we doing like the teaching a kid how to ride a bicycle thing? <laughs> this is not the time. This is not the time. You guys are being raided until like a, a like a, a few minutes later when I go, oh, he's fleeing the country via motorcycle to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in order to yeah you know, non extradition treaties and all that stuff. But uh, you know what I love about Switzerland? How fucking good everybody looks in ski clothes. No, it's just that the flag is a big plus. Hey! hey! <laughs> I think of that joke. I thought of that joke while I was watching this movie. I love that joke. It's a great joke. I can't believe you snuck it up on me. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, also, everybody looks great in ski clothes. 80s ski yeah, clothes the- were the height of ski clothes. The The first publicity photos that came out are them in their ski outfits, and they look... So good. He's in this cable knit sweater and she's in like um a snowsuit. It's just oh, it's insane. Mm, and I love Everybody looks so good in this movie. And I love that cable knit sweaters are having a cultural comeback right now. Like we love a man in a cable knit sweater right now. Um yeah, yeah, between Chris Evans and this. Yeah, they're very similar looks. Um it's also like it feels sort of bondy. You know, in that Bond has so totally captured that feel of like an all white ski scene Mm -hmm. that even Inception, where it's very much its own thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we're we're doing we're deliberately doing a Bond look here. It's lovely. It's great. It's chic. Right. And that's always Mm, the thing. That's always the thing with Bond. Bond is chic, if anything. Right. Because I, I just watched all the Mission Impossible movies, which, great, not number two, but they're all great, except for number two. And I think the two things that differentiate Mission Impossible and Bond things is that Mission Impossible loves a mask, love have, <laughs> love putting on a silly mask and having someone pretend to be somebody else, great. And Bond is so chic. Mission Impossible will do chic, but Bond is chic. Mm. Right? So anyway, uh, the lawyer asks uh, Patrizia about, like, what's going on? You know, did you forge the signature on your deceased father-in-law's will? And she's all, no, 
Of course I, I didn't. would never. I would never, despite what you've seen in the last two hours of this film, I could <laughs> never do that. Paolo. But even Def- better is she, she mouths, <laughs> she mouths to him, do they know? And he nods and she's like, yeah, I totally did it. And then in regular voice, Paolo did it. Absolutely. Paolo did it. Oh God. That, that disgusting little person. So while skiing in exile, Maurizio meets up with Paola, who uh, seems to be like an old flame of his. And she's, mm-hmm. she's pretty enough. She's fine. And uh, Pat and I keep I, I kept writing Pat instead of Patrizia because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have enough time to write all these letters out with my thumbs. Uh, Patrizia and Alessandra arrive to, to see daddy. And this is where we start to see the real cracks in their relationship forming. Yeah, as he very obviously is no longer interested in having a relationship with her. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's clear that he's starting to get to a place of... She's doing a lot of scheming behind my back. And while it's working out for me, uh, I don't know if I can uh, keep putting up with this. Plus, there's this Paula lady, and she's beautiful, too. And this this kind of comes to the front because... She begins telling a story about these macarons that are on the table. And instead she goes on this rambling thing where essentially she's bragging. She, she just, yeah, she, she loves, she's laying claim. Look at all the things I did with my husband. Yeah. Oh, we went to Paris and he got us this thing and it's all at the top. And I was wearing this and he's like, you, you don't, they, they, they just wanted to know where the macarons were from. You don't need to tell them this. She's like, oh, no, it's all part of the story. He's like, no, it's not. This is excessive detail. So, yeah, yeah. So. Well, while everybody at their table is just like, her. I would like to be excused. Yeah. Oh, is that skiing happening over there? Maybe we should go. Later, she tries to blame the forged signature on the lawyer. But Maurizio does not believe this. And they come to verbal and almost physical blows about what's going on. Yeah, this is uh, this is Domenico De Soleil. Um, it's very confusing because his, his name in Italian is De Soleil. It's not French De Soleil, which is what I heard every time. Um, yeah. uh, played by Danny. Jack Houston. Jack Houston. Um, D- Danny is his father, yeah, right? Danny is the one I Nephew don't like. Nephew of Angelica. Yeah. Um, he he's quite good in this despite he doesn't have many lines but i think he does a lot quite silently yeah yeah he's and he's handsome too like i was he's just like dark and brooding mm, yeah mm-hmm. not my taste but i can but, see he has an interesting face yeah he does have an interesting face it it, it reminds me of a lot of other faces that on other actors is less handsome, but somehow he's pulling it off. Yeah, he's so. less obviously handsome than a lot of people. So Maurizio asks her to stay away from the Empire because he's like, I have to do damage control. I have to take care of this. You've done so many things behind my back and just I'm constantly having to keep up with you. And I can't do that anymore. So just stay away. And she's like, no, no, I built this empire. I'm, I am half of this with you. And you're the shitty half. So at a ski day, she sits down with Paola 
and tells her, don't fucking steal my man. Oh, Lady Gaga is such a good actress. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the way, the way she cleans the spoon from her espresso in this scene (laughs) stuck in my mind. It like, she just sticks the whole thing in her mouth and the way she pulls it out is elegant and like almost ruthless. Mm. (laughs) You're just like, holy shit. And uh, later that night, she's told by Maurizio that she's sending that he is sending her and Alessandra back to Milan, which naturally upsets her. She's like, why? I'm your wife. That's your daughter. And he's like, no, no, I've got to take care of things. Uh, so in real life, they they had actually fully divorced by the time they had been divorced for a year by the time he was murdered. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was much more a decisive thing of like in this it's drawn out and it's not clear whether they're separated or divorced at the end. Um, but yeah, he he pretty much said to her even more cruelly than in this like we're over and I'll see my daughter sometimes and uh, here's some money to go away. Money, which was something like, she got support of something like 650,000 euros a year and she said it wasn't enough for a bowl of lentils. (laughs) Okay, girl. What kind of of lentils are you importing? Uh, Well, Maurizio meets up with a foreign investor to encourage them to buy out Aldo and Paolo so that they can help move Gucci forward. And we cut to Aldo being released from jail where he meets up with Paolo in the airport. And uh, boy, howdy has Paolo fallen on bad times due to the state of this windbreaker he's wearing. (laughs) It's so ugly. It's so ugly. We're we're also like 90s kids who see the kids... uh, embracing the styles of back then and to me like i was i was of an age that when i started to dress myself that windbreaker was hideously out of style already so when i see kids choosing to dress like this i'm like no why are you doing this to yourself yeah we're we're on the road coming back from that destination saying don't go into the forbidden woods and they're like the forbidden woods aren't that bad like i see guys with these these weird mullets and and mustaches and giant glasses as well now and they're like ironically embracing it because it's cool and whatnot and i'm like oh man in 10 years you guys are going to look at back at your wedding photos and go like oh shit i can't believe i had that hairstyle for my wedding (laughs) yeah it's uh it's interesting i I strongly believe that we suffered in the hip-hugger trenches so that the youths wouldn't have to. Nope. And there they are throwing themselves in front of the machine guns. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We're real sorry. We should have tried harder. (laughs) Well, turns out Paolo's wife has left. He's swamped with legal fees. And his house is a mess. This is where he reveals to his father that he has sold his shares of Gucci. And this is where we get, this is why you hire an Al Pacino. Because he does the signature Al Pacino (laughs) yelling. And I'm like, yep, perfect. This is the right scene. This is the right level. This is the right amount. If you guys have seen the Michael Scott gif of him just yelling no No. over and over, that's exactly what Al Pacino does. He goes, no, no, no. 
but in his signature Al Pacino way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. As if he has seen a great ass destroyed in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maurizio is being seduced by Paola. And at the same time, Pina tells Patrizia that it's happening because Pina, again, is a psychic. So she's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely fucking her right now. And Patrizia's like, tell me where. And she's like, I can't give you those details. No, tell me where. And this is where I assume right afterwards they fuck. Absolutely. Yeah. So the lawyer arrives. I just called him the lawyer through the whole thing because I was like, oh, it's too late for me to go back and change anything. He arrives at uh, Alessandra's soccer game to present Patrizia with divorce papers. And naturally, she is livid. She's great in this. She's screaming about how dare you come to my daughter's uh, school while she's swearing up a storm right in front of the nuns. Yeah, it's great. And basically, she just sends him back saying, no, there's no divorce. It's not happening. Uh, He can tell me it himself. Bye. This is why I think the movie makes it unclear that they were actually divorced at the time of his death. Yeah, yeah. Because that's sort of the last divorce update we get. Yeah. At negotiations for buying out Aldo's half of the company, Maurizio is forced to come in because up until now, it's been kind of a secret. It's like, oh, these foreign investors, they're going to buy the the halves of the companies. Okay, all right. And then in walks Maurizio and Aldo is just heartbroken he's just like you know what fuck you fuck you fuck this i'm just gonna sign this and he and throws the thing over it at them it's like you bastards you heartless little pieces of shit and uh he figured it all out from a clue yeah there's like a 30 second detective scene in this movie that's great yeah yeah it's like it, it it all revolves around a shoe it's very good but, yeah, just watch the movie. Yeah, just watch the movie. We're not going to give you everything. Just the important things. <laughs> like Selma Hayek's boobs. Yeah, like Selma Hayek's boobs. So Maurizio now kind of... It, this this is where he begins to flourish. We get this sort of mm-hmm. montage of him, you know, doing magazine photo shoots of him. He's getting an interview with Anna Wintour. I, I didn't look up who played Anna Wintour, but kudos to her signature bob perfect glasses like the way she held herself she nailed it yeah there are a lot of cameos in this that i was actually surprised to realize that i understood who they were she nods to somebody who's obviously supposed to be andre leon tally mm-hmm. um tom ford obviously has a bigger role in this but we see carl lagerfeld as well everybody is just like pitch perfect you know exactly who they are and if you don't know who Karl Lagerfeld is you don't lose anything from seeing this weird ass man with a little cat nodding at the catwalk yeah yeah you you briefly see a woman who looks like Grace Jones but you don't need to know who Grace Jones is but you would know Mm -hmm. that it's Grace Jones right yeah but anyway Patrizia confronts him outside of his home and begs him to come back giving him a photo album to try and guilt him back and uh he's he's just like well you know see my daughter in a few weeks have a good night at cold cold as fuck so she decides to uh have a spa trip to the caymans with her 
best friend, Pina. Yeah, uh, all girls just love slathering mud on each other. Yeah, sensually. (laughs) It was this scene that I was just like, oh my god, like, come on, guys. It's right here. (laughs) I I just need you to push this a little further, please. Uh... And they they essentially come up with this plan. They go out and they hire some thugs to off Maurizio. It's a great scene. Like just this yeah. whole this whole scene, the whole setup. Like it's it's just big bad boss bitch energy happening constantly. Oh yeah, this this movie is girl boss the movie. Um also, Lady Gaga is in this, like, she's clearly trying to look like a normal person. She's just wearing, like, jeans and a regular old jacket in this. Um, but she's also, at this point, Patrizia has quite short hair. And it looks a lot like these um, photos that Lady Gaga did in drag early in her career. Yep. Uh, that she put out under a male name. It's just, uh, she looks incredible and butch. And, like, she's she's about to, like flip out a pen knife like she's a jet and or shark yeah it's great it's great and as uh her and pina walk away from the scene uh i I don't know if they had ass padding going on but absolutely just like look at those butts butts oh i know i think it's it's, i think it's partly the early 90s mom jeans yeah but also i think lady gaga's wearing a lot of padding throughout this because she she is she is not a full-figured woman yeah Yeah. so the release of tom ford under the gucci label is wildly successful and you know we get a fashion show and i mean these designs are designs these are gorgeous jewel tones sam have you seen oppenheimer i don't know what this has to do with tom ford and gucci but go no i haven't have you seen i have okay So there's this one scene near the end of Oppenheimer that a lot of people pointed out as like the one sour note in it, mm-hmm. um, where they're talking uh, about senatorians and they're like, yeah, this this hot young senator is really pushing hard for us to appear. His name is hmm, Jack Kennedy, and it's announced like it's uh, like. Samuel L. Jackson is going to appear at the end of the movie and say, Jack Kennedy, I'm starting an initiative. Yeah. That's what it felt like in this scene where they're talking about how nobody wants to design for Gucci, even though they're pouring money into it because Gucci is old and boring and lame and not my real dad anyway. Mm -hmm. The only option that they have is this kid from Texas. Fashion doesn't come out of Texas. Blech. They have to hire, I'm sorry, an American. Uh. That's what it felt like to me, if you know anything about (laughs) the the fact that Tom Ford's in this movie. I'm like, oh, really? This young buck, Jack Kennedy. I wonder if he's going to be important to this story going forward. I wonder if Tom Ford ever made anything of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Did he he make a car? Did he design a car? Yeah, that's why he's Tom Ford. Okay, all right, gotcha. (laughs) So the release of this line is wildly successful. But at a dinner with Maurizio, 
the foreign investors are upset uh, with how the money is going in the company because Maurizio decided to nick uh, nix all of the little knickknacks with the Gucci branding on it. Right, no coffee mugs, no you know accessories, little little things that aren't really fashion. But also things that are considered like part of the Gucci legacy, like the these bags that they revived afterwards. Mm-hmm. And stuff that solidly makes money. And he's like, yeah, but like it's a bag from 1947. Yeah. On top of it, they're also pointing out like your expenses are wild, like jets, you know, antique furniture that costs millions. Uh, we can't really keep this up. So he's offered a buyout and in his place, the lawyer will become CEO. Oh no. Oh no. Betrayal. And he looks straight at him and says, Patrizia was right about you, which I would have then immediately died. I don't want Patrizia to be right about me in any case ever in the world. Patrizia is out of jail now. She gives uh, interviews on this movie. And I think that I would be very scared of her. Yeah. Yeah. She hired a man to kill somebody. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Monday, March 27th, 1995, 7.59 a.m. We come full circle back to the beginning of the film with Maurizio in the cafe as Patrizia takes a bubble bath. He rides his bike back to work and on the steps he is shot and killed by the men that Patrizia hired. And Patrizia, we cut to her crying over the marriage photo of her and him as she scrawls a single word in a diary, Paradiso, underneath the date which is something that she really did two years later patrizia pina and the killers are all in court we get the title yeah, because they were immediately apprehended <laughs> yeah and uh basically the rest of the movie becomes just a quick series of shots and these titles <clears throat> in 1997 patrizia reggiani was arrested for the murder of maurizio gucci and in the film, we see her being, insisting on being called Signora Gucci. All of them were found guilty. Patrizia was sentenced to 29 years in pre- prison, Pina for 25, and the other two for like 24 in life. Aldo died of prostate cancer in 1990. Paolo died in poverty in London in 1995. In 1995, Gucci became a publicly listed company. It thrived. Because, obviously, we still have Gucci around today. It's everywhere. It has an estimated value of $60 billion. There are no members of the Gucci family working at Gucci. The end. One last detail that I really, really wish they could have gotten into the movie. Yep. Um, Patrizia was offered early release as part of a... um, uh, prisoner work program uh she refused on the grounds that she has never worked in her life and she's not going to start now <laughs> uh, okay all right I, I, <laughs> I have respect for that woman then <laughs> i may not agree with everything she did but you have to respect a woman who sticks to her guns like that talk about a woman who deserved to be played by the biggest pop star in the world <laughs> jeez can you imagine oh uh 
I really like this movie. I especially really, really liked Lady Gaga in it. She is one of the biggest performances in it, but it needs that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got to be a little bit over the top. It's because what what the film ultimately is is this this is it's a historical drama. It is a tale about an empire, right? It's about a kingdom. This mm-hmm. could easily have been, you know. A, you know, uh, Richard II or, you know, a tale of any number of royal families from Europe. But because... Richard it's, II is a really interesting comparison. I like that. But because this is a story that is about a fashion brand and a woman who walks into this fashion brand and says, I'm going to take over this empire and I'm going to rocket it into the uh, into a higher echelon that it's been it's got it it knows exactly what it's doing and it's it's got to be a little tongue-in-cheek about it yeah i was surprised when i was reading over the reception of this that critically speaking on mass this movie was um received much more favorably than i remember it being um it was in several people's bests of the year lists Mm -hmm. um i think it's just because the stuff about jared leto's performance is so much louder than anything else and is so much easier to like you just need to show a, a five second clip of him in this movie to get what jared leto is doing and why it feels odd in this um prestige drama yeah um, I think this movie was unfairly judged. It really is quite a, a good classic um, actorly drama. Yeah, and it looks gorgeous on top of everything else, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not cheap at any point in the film. It's not it didn't take any shortcuts beyond the artistic liberties of like, okay, we got to shuffle the time line around a bit just to make a more cohesive film, which I mean, basically any biopic ever made into a film does that, right? Find me one that is true to life. And I'll say that one's probably boring. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really interesting one about Louis, the it's either Louis the Sixteenth or Louis the Fourteenth that uh, was made in the sixties or seventies that is used as like um, this is the example of that exact thing, and it's just a day in his life. And yeah, uh, as a narrative film, it is kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, and it's because we want we as the audience want the drama of it rather than the truth of it, mm-hmm. right? Um. But I think with all that said, we're also going to be united on our final decision on this. Um, Before we get to that, is there anything else that you'd like to say about House of Gucci? See House of Gucci. I I would say this is a recommend. We don't often recommend like, you know, these these multi-million dollar top tier. Like this was directed by a director, right? One of the... One of the greatest living directors that we have, probably, right? Like mm-hmm. his his repertoire alone speaks volumes. Yes, there's the odd misstep here and there, but show me anybody's catalog and they don't have missteps in them, right? Mm-hmm. 
the I I would recommend House of Gucci just because this is and it goes by fast. I was surprised at how quickly like it's two and a half hours long. Did not feel like two and a half hours of my time. No, because I'm entertained. I'm in it. And not to not to be a, a little boring and beat the drum about it, but we don't get a ton of adult dramas like this anymore. We should really support them when they're this good. Hmm. Yeah. But Sarah, is House of Gucci camp? It's about money and sex and fashion and giving a blowjob while driving or getting a blowjob while driving. It can be both. And uh, <laughs> and New York in the 70s and uh, a big, messy, complicated family. This movie is camp. Even the parts that are that were derided for not playing to the heights, like Jeremy Irons and a surprisingly subdued <laughs> Al Pacino. Uh, no, this movie is absolutely camp. I think it's a lot of fun. How about you? Oh, I was definitely going to say the same thing. It is, it is melodrama as well, right? It's not just yes. drama. It's melodrama. Yeah, right. it's like Douglas Sirk 1950s melodrama. Right, we're we're getting everybody cranked up to 11. Yeah, Jared Leto's weird and the accents aren't all great, but you know what? I don't care. I had fun. I I enjoyed myself the fashion, the the girl boss of it all and and I liked everyone's performance in it. There wasn't any there weren't parts of this that I was just like, oh my God, okay, let's get back to what's really interesting. It was like, no, it's all building. It's all building into each other. And there's something fun about pretty much every scene that happens. So a big Hollywood drama by Ridley Scott, definitely camp, this one. Yeah, this was a, this was a sort of fun, modern example that we don't get to see very often. No, because too many, especially too many very established directors like this. I, I don't think Martin Scorsese would be able to pull this off. I think Martin Scorsese also, um, you know, he's done biopics and things like that. Um, but his interests definitely don't lie. Like, we would have seen a lot more headshots in this movie if Martin Scorsese directed it. Yeah. The wedding scene would be 40 minutes long. Oh. It's just a Catholic mass. God. Yeah, as if I don't have enough secondhand Catholic guilt, guilt as it is. <laughs> so thank you for joining us on our exploration of House of Gucci. We did less accents uh, than I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes. And next week we will be, I, I for, for anybody out there who's going like, oh, we just did one of these. Well, we're going back to the Steve Martin well, baby. And we're going to watch Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Sarah, I saw this movie in film class mm -hmm. in like 2008, and I don't think I've seen it since. Oh, okay. So it's been a while for a revisit. So 15 years. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I remember my mom buying this for us on DVD and saying, watch this. You'll enjoy it. I know it's a black and white film, but regardless. And I put it on and I was shocked by how well this movie comes together. This movie has one very big gimmick to it uh, yeah go into it and uh ba basically uh 
there's only like four actors present for for the filming of this film. Everyone else is spliced in from other old film noirs. This is a parody of film noir that uses film noir as half of the film, if that makes any sense. It's basically like a collage with Steve Martin interacting with these characters. Yeah. He gets Forrest Gumped into them, which was a big deal at the time. Yeah, so you're gonna get your you're gonna get Lauren Bacall showing up, Humphrey Bogart, Jimmy Cagney, just any number of famous people from famous films. And the fact that there is one consistent joke through the film that becomes uh, the sort of deus ex machina at the end is such an unbelievable p- piece of film editing and writing that it would take a genius like Steve Martin to figure out this. Right? <laughs> I don't know if you remember what it is, Sarah, but we'll save that. We'll leave it for the viewers to find themselves. No, I think I'm confusing. Uh, my memories of this are mixed with um, another film noir parody from the era it's a bing and crosby comedy called my favorite brunette i don't remember what's my favorite brunette and what is dead men don't wear plaid okay all right well we'll see we'll see how it goes uh i i enjoy this but then again we enjoy steve martin here (laughs) what's not to love about steve martin but until that point you our audience our campers can continue the discussion on our twitter (laughs) our blue sky and our Instagram at the same handles. I am at Reese Indigo R H Y S spelled the Welsh way. And I am at sour citrus lady. You can follow the pod on at is it camp pod. Our episodes are edited by Warren Fry until next week. Wait an hour before swimming. Watch out for snakes and stay camp. Bye. Arrivederci. Okay. No, not the way you do it.